0: know what you do at Christmas time, and and uh, you may see Jesus' yeah. birthday showing up on Sunday, and there's an the interruption, and I don't. But as a minister, we've had to because of our family situations, we've created our own tradition. And we have at our house what is called Christmas Eve, Eve celebration. So. That's where all of our family, we come together, our our uh, immediate family, the boys and the wives and their kids, and that's when we do Christmas. So we actually, we had Christmas Friday night, and I've been coming down off cloud, you know, ever since. But uh, what we, some of the things at our house, and one of the things that we always do is we we center in on the nativity candle and all the different things that went around. And this year, I shared from Matthew, if you'll take your Bible and turn to chapter 2. And uh, I read these verses, beginning with verse 1. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem, Judea. And during the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star, "'as it arose, and we've come to worship Him.'" Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. "'Where did the prophet say the Messiah would be born?' He asked, "'In Bethlehem,' they said, "'for this is what the prophet wrote.'" "'O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not just a lowly village in Judah.'" For a ruler will come from you, who will be your she- who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod sent a private message to the wise men, asking them to come and see him. At this meeting, he had, he had learned the exact time when the first when they first saw the first star. Then he told them, "Go to Bethlehem, search carefully." For the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. We know that was a lie, but nonetheless. Verse 9 After this interview, the wise men went their way, and once again the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child Jesus was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother were. Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. It is said that in the year 2005 and also 2006, the American household spent somewhere around and I this you are probably sitting there saying don't say that it's depressing already eight hundred and thirty to nine hundred and twenty nine dollars that year per household. well, in two thousand and fifteen and two thousand and sixteen we've done a little better they're calculating that we were doing somewhere around eight hundred and thirty dollars to $929 per household spent for Christmas, You say, what's that point? Well, the point is, most of us is going to take six months into the next year to pay off the debt from last time. And so we just sort of feel the pain of that. But, you know, I read across a, a version of the Christmas carol, Jingle Bells, that was descriptive of many of us this season. Dashing through the mall on late December day, Through the stores we go, charging all the way. Ching, 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 bells on registers ring, making checkbooks light. Oh, what fun it is to buy up everything in sight. One husband wrote, my wife was shopping for Christmas gifts with purchases small and large. She doesn't believe in Santa Claus. She believes in Master Charge. When it comes to Christmas gifts, as we see depicted in the Bible, we know that it would be a very sad time if you were one of those persons at Christmas time that got left out. We all know what it is to buy all the gifts that you've bought and uh, spend the time that you've spent with your families and will today. But wouldn't it be a disgrace or even a dishonor if the very reason for the season that we gather didn't get a gift? Someone said and wrote in light of that thought, suppose it were your birthday and all your friends would come and gather around your fireplace, then you're happy home. They would come with smiles and gladness and bring their presents too, but when they start to share them, there's not one for you. They give them to each other in grand and costly lot, but for the guest of the honor, they somehow just forgot. You say things just don't happen, nor should it ever be. It seems too crude and cruel for folks like you and me. But a friend, have you considered just this is what men do, not of course to humans, but of our Lord, it is true. We celebrate his birthday with all our pomp and style, but give to one another, and we grieve him all the while. Tis Christ we claim to honor at glad Christmas time. Don't don't spend all, all friend, on front friends and the dollars, and give Him just a dime. To give to one another indeed is very nice, but best of all to Jesus. For let for Him we need to sacrifice. His cause too long is suffered by thoughtless, selfish men. Let's bring to Christ the first fruits and give our best to him. You know, I don't think any of you would doubt or say that Christmas is not all about Jesus. But sometimes because of the stress we under I don't believe Jesus brings stress to Christmas time. I believe we bring Christ stress to the table, and I believe it's us that get so sidetracked of what Christmas is really all about that sometimes we lose the real, we say we believe in Jesus, but I believe we lose the importance of what Christmas is all about. When the wise men made their way toward the east, often known as the magi, they were skilled philosophers and people of medicine and natural science. And they were greatly interested in astrology, and they were interested in the star that led them to Bethlehem. Verse 11 says, when they got there, they presented their gifts to him. You know, have you ever thought maybe today and from the rest of this year, what is it that you're going to bring to the table to give a gift to the very one that's the most important in this whole uh, formula called Christmas? Well, these guys got together and they brought, according to verse 11, three gifts of gold gold frankincense, and myrrh. We all know that gold is a very precious metal and very appropriate for a king. It tells us that Jesus came to rule and to reign. His gift was a fitting gift. It was a foretelling gift because it tells us exactly what Jesus was all about, and it was a foreordained gift that God had already determined from the very beginning that he would bring his son out Of Egypt. It was also not only that of gold, but frankincense, which we discover was a priestly gift. Jesus was a king, he was of a priestly order. He came for you and me to establish salvation. He the Bible tells us that his priesthood would be permanent and powerful. And that it would be an opening entrance into the very place that will lead you and I to the very loved ones who have already gone on who loved Jesus and made him Lord of their life. Then we see that myrrh presents Jesus as our substitute. It was an embalming fluid a type of of ointment that they placed on dead bodies. We know that Jesus came in light of that symbol to die for you and I. We were definitely dead bodies before him. And you and I were dead in our trespasses and sin. And without being embalmed with the Holy Spirit through salvation, you and I will, when we leave this earth, we will go to a place called hell. You know, I don't know about you, but I can't give jesus gold because i don't have any and i can't give him the frankincense and myrrh that he deserves but what could we give him this coming year and beginning today i believe you and i could give him our love i believe that you and i could give him our worship and our attention and our tithes and our praise and our offerings and we can give him our labor and our service can i ask you something Next Sunday, we'll gather at this same time, but we'll be in a new year. We'll be in the year 2017. What is it that you're planning on doing with your life for Him in the next year? Maybe you threw away some opportunities this past year where this year you'll be able to start afresh and anew. My prayer would be that you understand that Jesus, when he came to this earth, he didn't come for him. He came for you. The Bible tells us that he was born voluntarily. No one made him leave the ivory palaces of heaven and to come and uh, to be our Savior. He lived virtuously for us. That is, he lived a perfect life so he could die a perfect death so that he could make us, in the eyes of God, a perfect people who are covered not because we're perfect in our sins, but we're covered in His blood. When He sees you, He sees the blood of perfection—that of His Son. Second Corinthians chapter five says, "He knew He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him." Jesus died a vicariously death. That is, Jesus took on the cross what I would have taken for all eternity had it not been. Taken by Jesus, and that's your sin and mine. He also was raised victoriously. That is, he came out of this dungeon holding the door of the, the only door and the only key that you and I have to enter into heaven, and that's the key of eternal life. You say, well, I, I just know that I'm going to make it into heaven when I die. You will only make it into heaven when you die if you have eternal life. And that door was provided for you and I to open. And Jesus is the key. Also, he is the door. He took the sting out of death and gave us victory at the grave. One day, he's going to return visibly. And I don't know about you, but that's going to be an exciting day for us. But it will be a very sad day for many that will be left behind. You and I will be raptured as living saints. We will raise He will raise the dead saints and reunite their bodies with all of their uh, spirits that have gone on. And if you can imagine now, from then on for eternity, we will be with Him forever. We have that opportunity to serve Him on earth, and I hope you'll take that opportunity. But also, we'll have that wonderful opportunity to serve with Him for eternity. You know, a lot of people think that what we're going to do is when we get to heaven, we're going to take our shoes off and stick our big toe in Chili Jordan and just spend the rest of your life. I got news for you. You need to read a little deeper. We're going to be serving him. We're going to be working. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, my goodness, Adam and Eve was perfect, were they not? What did Adam and Eve, what were they supposed to do? They were supposed to be fruitful and multiply. Now, we won't have kids and we're not going to get married and we're not going to reproduce. You can forget that. That goes away. But there's one thing that you and I will be able to do, and that is we will be serving a holy God. And we'll be a holy priesthood around the throne of those that love His Son and the one that loves us. So let me ask you this question. What are you doing right now for Him? And what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake right now? And what do you attend on doing? I believe it's high time. That we take this emphasis that we spend at Christmas time and understand that it 's supposed to be shared with those that we love and that love us and those we don 't even know we 're supposed to tell them about the story. We say, "Well, Mike, one if they don 't believe it doesn 't matter you 've planted a seed. There were many that didn 't believe that when jesus when Jesus was here, and he st- he was steadfast, he was very faithful in sharing that there's only one way. To eternity. There was only one way to heaven, and that was through, his, through him, and that's why he came. And so, you and I have a mandate. We have a mission. We have, we have the, uh, a path that's set before us. It's whether or not are we going to do that or not. Are we going to serve him or not? Are we going to take that opportunity this year and be the light into a dark world? This world's getting darker by every day, by the moment. Before long we're going to need tennis shoes just like Patrick to even see our way through. By the way, honey, I want a pair of them for next Christmas, would you? <clears throat> but we're going to see we're going to need that to see our way through to a dark world and what we need is the light of the sun. We need the light of Jesus. You know, some of you this year you brought some heartache into Christmas. You brought some peril, you brought some trouble. You brought some financial issues. As a church, we're bringing a major issue, and that is beginning in January. Well, we've already begun. We've got our permit for our site plan now, and that's already permitted, done. We've already got it. Now we're waiting on just our plans to get finished. And some of you go, you know what? I just don't see that that's all that is significant. Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, If you were living in a tent, And you wanted a home you would see it as significant you're right you don't live here but I believe the the witness and the testimony of Jesus is seen through the churches in that throughout this land and they ought to be seen as churches that are growing sharing telling people about Jesus praying for the sick taking care of the poor doing our best to be a lighthouse of this community and yes it's just something that we've got to do this next year, and I hope and pray that you will pray on your behalf that you will be able to give toward that as you're sought to pray for what it is God wants you to do in this next year to come in our challenge as a church to be debt-free at least in the next three years. Thank you again on behalf of the, as an ambassador of Jesus for being here, and now in these few moments, I want us to take our thoughts And concentrate. The Bible tells us that Jesus, when he came to this world, he came to die. And to die, he had to shed his blood. And to do that, the Bible says, as he left here, always do the Lord's Supper. The time of the elements that represent my body, the wine or the grape juice as we use, represents the blood that Jesus shed. And let's just focus our time and our thoughts. And I, I want us to just take a, a moment or two before we, we ask our guys to come and begin serving to just reflect in your life. So I want you to bow your head right now and just spend a little bit of time. Uh, how is it in, in your life right now? Is, is there known sin in your life right now that maybe you need to confess and, and say, Lord, I need you to forgive me of that sin? I need you to take that away from me. The Bible says that many died and slept, uh, which meant they they passed away. They died because they were treated the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And I believe it's important that we take serious what Jesus has left for us to do. And one of those ordinances of the church is to celebrate through him the Lord's Supper. So take this moment and uh, just... Pray and worship your Lord and uh, reflect of your life. And, uh, and, and then after that, we'll have a short prayer and begin our time together.